0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm Dr. Catherine Pang and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute and the Christian Life Institute's purpose, to grow Christians forward, to live victoriously as overcomers in but not of the world through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at ChristianLifeInstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, ChristianLifeInstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, Freedom and Forgiveness, In our podcast today, we are journeying through some gleanings from Galatians chapter 5. If you want to pause the podcast and read the book of Galatians, or at least chapter 5, that would likely be helpful. In the book of Galatians, Paul has been defending against the false teaching that circumcision and other requirements of the Jewish law were necessary salvific supplements to simple faith in Christ. Judaizers believed circumcision was required for salvation. It was leading to a Pelagian, what is known as a belief in the inherent goodness of man and a belief in an inherent ability to please God. It was leading to a Pelagian doctrine of self-achieved salvation. Let's take a brief excursus and remind ourselves our, our relationship with our Savior and travel back to Ephesians 2, 8, where Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of your own doing it is the gift of god it is an amazing attribute of god his love in john's first letter we are reminded of god's great love he writes in this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins in 1 john 4:10, the gospel of john records those well-known words for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life as we read in John 3 16 have you ever wondered why God the creator of all things would choose to love you I have there have been times I've asked God why me why choose to save one who didn't care about you one who didn't have time for you one who didn't need you the answer is always the same God's grace God's grace is evidence of the absolute freeness of the loving kindness of God And his desire for us to live in freedom freedom from sin and the power of our flesh so that we can have relationship with him creator Savior God God pours his favor upon us even though we don't deserve it nor merit it a gift from the giver of all perfect gifts a gift that never fades never changes never becomes stale A gift that is fresh and fragrant to nourish our souls and strengthen our spirit a gift that gives life eternal life how glorious that God should delight in giving us himself that we might have victory over the bondages of this world victory in the midst of devastation victory in the midst of tragedy victory in the midst of pain loss sorrow or suffering a freedom from the wrongs of our past both those we committed and those that have been committed upon us, have you grasped this great gift? It's free. Take a moment and reflect back on your years without Christ. If you're listening and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're not sure that you really have recognized your own sin, your own fleshiness, and your need for a Savior, even if you've been attending church, grew up in church, believe you are a good person, There is inherent in all of God's creation the need for a Savior because of the choice of Eve and Adam in the garden. If there is any doubt, take a moment and recognize your sinfulness, your need for a Savior, and embrace the free gift, who is Christ as your Redeemer. Are you blinded or restrained by the flesh and the world? As we read in 1 John 2.16, and I quote, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Is pride keeping you from falling on your knees before your Creator and crying out, Free me from the bondage of self? We must begin with a recognition that we are sinners, hopeless in our self-sufficiency, slaves to all that is in this world, as we just read in 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Think about it. Are you still holding on to hurts from your childhood? Are you angry at a coworker or boss because you are treated unfairly? Are you looking to find your fulfillment in a relationship or the acceptance of others? Are you disappointed, frustrated, hurt by friends and or family? Is there any self-centeredness, jealousy, pride or arrogance in your life? If the answer to any or all of these questions is yes, you are not alone. Praise the Lord that he has shown you that you are a sinner. And although there is nothing you or I can do to wash away our sin, there is one who is ready, willing, and able. And his name is Jesus Christ. God has given us an unconditional gift. After Paul reminds us in Romans 3:24 through 25, that we have, quote, all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he encourages us by these words, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. John writes in his Gospel in John 3.17, and I quote, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. God made the first move. As we read in 1 John 4.19, and I quote, He first loved us. And as a result, we can not only receive love, but love back. I don't know about you, but unconditional love is a hard concept to grasp. This world and the people in this world, who are all sinners, including you and me, do not do a very good job, if any at all, at modeling unconditional love. Yet God's love is unconditional. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, and I quote, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says in John 6:35 and I quote, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. There are no limitations, no expectations, no conditions on God's love as we read in 2 Corinthians 5:14 through 15 and I quote, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. Therefore all died. And he died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Jesus died for all. There are no exceptions. This includes you and me. God's grace has been extended to you and me that we may have life and life more abundantly and freedom in him. Do you want abundant life and freedom in him? Do you want the victory over sin that Jesus brought with his death on the cross? Then reach out your hand in faith. God has reached out and continues to reach out his hand to you and me. We need to reach back. He brought us redeemed life that we may be free and have relationship with him. Justification is by faith alone, as Paul reminds us in Galatians 2.19. We must, and I quote, die to the law and live for Christ. We must choose to embrace and step into faith which is alive and active in love and one which leads to holiness. At the end of Galatians chapter 4, Paul illustrates the child of a slave and a child of freedom. A child of the promise when he references Ishmael and Isaac. Paul connects this message of freedom by emphatically stating Galatians 5.1 and I quote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Our salvation, our redemption, our equipping and empowering by the Holy Spirit to walk, live in Christ is for freedom. Let us choose to plant our feet freely within the freedom Christ brought through his death on the cross and choose not to live, walk in a way that captures us in the yoke of slavery, slavery to the flesh slavery to the ways of the world, slavery to our conditioned, entrenched, and sinful ways. Paul is making an assertion in the indicative, which grammatically is a verb form used to make declarative statements that are assumed to be factually accurate when he states, for freedom, Christ has set us free. In 2 Corinthians three seventeen, we read, and I quote, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Paul then uses an imperative and issues a command when he states, and I quote, "...stand firm and do not be burdened again by a yoke of slavery." An imperative grammatically is used to indicate a necessity, something completely unavoidable, demanding or requiring that an action be performed. We are not only to identify, acknowledge, and deeply digest and appropriate our freedom— We are to live and love in a way that demonstrates our freedom by standing firm and making life choices that do not place us in places of entanglement, bondage, and slavery, or fill in the blank. Andrew Murray, in his book, The Secret of Spiritual Strength, reminds us, and I quote, It is possible to live every day and hour of your life in fellowship with the Holy Jesus. He continues, and I quote, If you will throw open your heart, and give up everything except believing and allowing him to do what he wants. It will come. He continues, and I quote, He will reveal himself to the one who is ready. He must know you are wholly committed to him. Jesus is willing to make himself wholly known and to wholly know. Do you desire to gnosco him? Let us remind ourselves we are free because of what Christ did and we have full, unfettered access to him anywhere, anytime. So let us choose to allow him to mold us into what he desires so that we can be what God personally and intimately desires you to be in him and for him. The message is clear, yet one we often forget. The believer, the born-again one, the child of God, has been freed from sin, redeemed and reconciled, and yet there is a war with sin, with the flesh, with the ways of the world. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are equipped and empowered to stand firm. A key word to note when we are at war, in a battle with self, our flesh, Satan, the world, whomever and whatever. Let's flip to the armor of God in Philippians six ten through 20 for a quick excursus. And I quote, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We are exhorted from this passage in Ephesians to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, to stand against the schemes of the devil, to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm, To stand, therefore, having put on the armor, the full armor, and to keep alert with all perseverance. We must stand in the indicative that Christ won our freedom, which secures the imperative of standing firm in the spirit, which leads to obedience and victory. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 is placing an emphasis on growth in grace, a call to holiness, sanctification, and the new life we have in Christ as it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our Christ-centered liberty is grounded solely in our relationship with Jesus, and our surrender to walking, living in the Spirit as outside of Christ, outside of the equipping and empowering of the Spirit, our life is one of bondage, bondage to sin, law, the world, or fill-in-the-blank, becoming a Christ follower ought, yes, intentionally using the word ought, which is Old English for should, to have been disruptive, but God, and ought to continue to be disruptive, in that the whole pattern of life, way of being and doing, thinking, behaving, ought to have been radically changed by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit within. As Murray writes in The Secret of Spiritual Strength, and I quote, Fearful one, mistaken one, anxious one. I bring you God's promise. It is for me and it is for you. Jesus will do it. As God, he is able. And Jesus is willing and longing as the crucified one to keep you in perfect peace. And how do we stay in perfect peace? By abiding in him. Walking, living in the spirit. Allowing him to be Lord and have his way in all. Paul's message in Galatians is not about whether circumcision was per se good or evil as Paul advocated that Timothy be circumcised as his mother was Jewish and he was to facilitate his missionary work among the Jews not for salvation what was the intent and motive not to add to the cross as the Judaizers were asserting that without circumcision one could not be saved but to be all things to all people so as to facilitate the spread of the gospel one must always look at intent and motive. If we add to the cross, we reject God's all-sufficient provision and faith in his finished work. Paul was reminding the church in Galatia and the surrounding areas, as we are reminded today, that Christ might, must be all or nothing. Which is why Jesus says in Revelation 3:15 through 16 to the church in Laodicea, and I quote, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. The bottom line, be hot or cold. Get off the fence. Paul knew from personal experience how impossible it was to find peace with God through the law. Which is why he repeats over and over and over again, Do not throw away the perfect gift of freedom and step back onto the treadmill of self-justification, you cannot earn or work your way to God. It is a wake-up call for the Galatians and you and I to not forsake the truth of the gospel. Let us beware not to create amalgamations, a mingling of the grace of Christ with the merit of works. John Calvin wrote, and I quote, Whoever wants to have half Christ loses the whole. It is solely by the Spirit and through faith, faith expressing itself through love, as we read in Galatians 5, 6, that we find freedom, forgiveness, and peace with God. Living Christ in his freedom exemplifies the hope of righteousness that we have in him, a capital H hope, who is Christ, who points the Christ follower forward and allows him or her to focus on his or her union with Christ, is all that matters which is why paul says his soul identity is found in christ and the truth of gospel is to not only be believed with all our heart soul strength and mind but god to be obeyed with a wholehearted devotion to an almighty god worthy of our all for his all if we undermine confidence in the gospel by adding to distorting denying not believing Then we are likely to end up in sin-based fleshly choices and it's important to not only recognize the subtleties of the flesh but the ease by which we are deceived to consider as john reminds us and as we quoted above in 1 john 2 16 of the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life which are not from the father but from the world those hating the galatians were using wise and pervasive words They were using eloquence and superior wisdom to convince them of a heretical doctrine of the need for circumcision for salvation, thereby perverting the truth of the cross and the sufficiency of Christ. Paul, however, is proclaiming the truth of the gospel in weakness, fear, and trembling, as one who recognizes his absolute dependence on Christ and his own sinfulness. Paul is not concerned with pleasing men, as we are reminded from Galatians 1.10 when he states, and I quote, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul wanted his message to be of the Spirit, not based on his own eloquence or human wisdom, and for the church to hear the message loud and clear. If we do not reject perversion of the gospel, then we will lose our way, and Christ the way, and become captive once again in the yoke of slavery and the entanglement of the flesh. Paul's confidence was in the Lord and from him alone. Here comes an ouch. Where is your confidence? Is it in yourself, your abilities, your experiences, what you see and know? Or in Christ, in what he sees, knows, and wants for your life? Paul's message to the Galatians, who were primarily Gentiles and members of various cults and mystery religions, was that coming to Christ gave them a freedom, but he was warning them about freedom producing a moral insecurity. And the Judaizers were capitalizing on this newfound freedom with the legalism of circumcision, as well as the libertarianism of the times, where freedom from the law meant freedom from all moral restraint, which is why Paul wrote in Romans 6, 1 through 7, and I quote, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. In other words, do not sin so grace abounds. Grace does not mean do whatever you want to do and then seek forgiveness. Sin, grace, forgiveness. The church in Corinth had this issue, and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians has a lot to say on this topic, if you want to read further. We... As Christ's followers are free because we are called by God, affirmed, loved, and elected by God, called for a purpose to be free. So let us choose not to use our freedom as a pretext or as a license to sin. Let us choose not to use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul uses the construct of flesh to depict human life in its material dimension, our physical body, our sin, our fallen human nature pride in self-will, indulgence in self-assertion, and so much more. And to live by the flesh is to trust in oneself, to live through one's strength and accomplishments, to self-will it and self propel it for self-sufficiency. In other words, to reject Christ. Ouch! The opposite of flesh is the spirit, and the spirit is God's love gift to us at salvation. So that we would have a helper, an advocate, a comforter, and so much more as described in John 14, all flowing from the Father's love, a Christ-centric love that looks away from self, as Christ-centric freedom is a freedom to forgive and love, and therefore a freedom to serve one another. Christ delivered us from slavery, slavery of sin, to be free to love, to be bondservants to Christ and to one another. Paul is exhorting the Galatian believers to demonstrate their faith energized by love and leading to holiness as joyful obedience because of freedom and to produce fruit of the Spirit, not works of the flesh. Galatians 5:16 through 18 is clear. The flesh and the Spirit can never, ever, ever, ad infinitum, ever be friends. as we read in galatians 5:16 through 18 and i quote so i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law paul then lists some of the works of the flesh which is plural in 5:19 through 26 And he then lists the fruit of the spirit, which is singular, in (laughs) 5.22.26. Paul lists 15 items of the flesh, which some have grouped as sensual passions, unlawful dealings in things, spiritual violations of brotherly love, and intemperate excesses. The list of fleshly works is disorderly, chaotic, and incomplete, whereas the fruit of the Spirit is orderly and complete, and some have grouped as love, joy, and peace, representing the believer's attitude to God, patience, kindness, goodness, to be directed to other people, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, to be directed to him or herself. In 525, and I quote, Since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. We see again the indicative imperative structure. Since we live by the Spirit is an exhortation to obedience, let us walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit every moment of every day. Discipleship is about conformity to Christ under the leadership of the Spirit in attitudes, conduct, and lifestyle. We cannot live Christ outside of the Spirit. We cannot love in Christ outside of the Spirit. We cannot forgive one another or ourselves outside of the Spirit. And we cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit outside of the Spirit. Let us choose to walk, live in the Spirit, the freedom and forgiveness Christ brought us and bought us on the cross every moment of every day. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good according to Psalm 34:8. to want Christ truly, deeply, intimately, and personally to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, ChristianLifeInstitute.com to receive notifications about our podcast, blogs, and other events at CLI. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send any emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.